everyone and welcome to the Latina Libertarian with your host Olga Maria. Tonight I am joined with some amazing libertarians who are running for office. Um, so hold on and I will add them shortly. Um, we have Michael White from Arkansas is joining us. We have Erica Reddick from right here in Vermont. Eric Gerhard from Pennsylvania, Jeremy Kaufman from New Hampshire, and Shane Hazel from Georgia. Welcome everyone and thank you all for coming. Um, let me start with, I had actually created a script so I totally forgot about it, but anyway. Welcome to The Lothian <laughs> Libertarian with your host Olga Maria. Tonight I'm speaking with six, oh no, five Libertarian candidates from around the country who are running for office in their respective states. We will be discussing their candidacies, what made them decide to run this year, and what issues are important to them. And so I'm going to be starting geographically from east to west. So we're going to start with New Hampshire. Now Jeremy Kaufman is running for U.S. Senate. He is the founder and CEO of the Decentralized Content Sharing and Publishing Protocol, LBRY. Do you call it Libri for short? Library for short. LBRY is entirely appropriate. And, you know, for any listeners who may be in their cars or so on that you know the spelling is very helpful so so it's great yeah uh, awesome I am, um I am, yeah uh, yeah go on, continue. I'm, I'm, i got your bio you let me read hand. it I'm, 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 typical <laughs> typical new hampshire we suck all the air out of the room okay go on i'm sorry <laughs> He created LBRY Lib Library and is a board member of the Free State Project. He is a freedom-forward libertarian ready to bring the leadership New Hampshire needs as he has created independence for data users, allowing them to create and share information without federal control. So will he give you and your family your independence to create and shape your lives as you choose. Welcome, Jeremy. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Um, also joining us is right here in Vermont, Erica Reddick for U.S. Congress. She is a business owner of I Love Your Money, a financial management company, and has worked in the industry for nearly 20 years. She is also a content creator with her channel, Generally Irritable, and has been a voice in Vermont for a variety of causes, including legalizing marriage for all, helping survivors of sexual assault and has been in recovery for over 13 years and promotes private sector solutions for the addiction epidemic here in Vermont. She and her husband are also filmmakers and she intends to introduce legislation to audit the Federal Reserve. Thank you, Erica. Thank you, Olga. Happy to be here. <laughs> and uh, from Pennsylvania, we have Eric Gerhardt, who is running for U.S. Senate. Uh, he is a Pennsylvanian through and through. He also he began working in construction at the age of 16 and in 2015 started his own business, ECG Carpentry. As Senator Eric plans on being a voice for increasing individual freedoms across this great nation and a voice against a hostile government that wants to bit by bit erase our liberty. Thank you for joining me, Eric. Thank you for having me. And we have uh, from Georgia, Shane Hazel, who is running for governor. He is a Georgian, a Marine, and the host of the Radical podcast. After discovering the works of John Taylor Gatto while, uh, while serving overseas, he began to see the depth of the corruption in government and started his journey into the ideas of radical freedom. 
as Governor Shane would commit to nullifying as many laws as possible, standing between you and the tyrannical federal government. Welcome. Thanks for having me. And finally, from Arkansas, <laughs> from Arkansas, we have Michael White, who's running for U.S. Congress. He is an entrepreneur with a history in telecommunications and commercial real estate development. After owning and operating a chain of Verizon wireless stores throughout the Southeast, began a direct investor in a number of commercial properties. Michael now focuses on family and the liberty movement. He and his wife, Carrie, are residents of Little Rock and have two teenage daughters. Michael is also a licensed realtor in the state of Arkansas. Thank you so much, everyone, for Thanks joining for me. Us. So what I want to do is I want to just start off with uh, allowing you guys like a minute or two to just kind of speak and, um, you know, do your do your candidate thing so let's start with new hampshire oh again well so i love it this is a great crew you know this is a, a great group of, of libertarians i love everyone here uh some some of you i don't know very well but uh it's it's clearly a great group you know um new hampshire uh, obviously well for, i mean i assume this is a libertarian audience we've got here so we've got uh you know a bit of a reputation but we're uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, that's because, you know, we really feel like uh, we're doing it, you know, like I, I obviously in terms of my campaign, I could talk about, you know, what I would do as a senator or whatever. But, you know, I, I'm a free stater first and foremost. Right. And mm -hmm. I believe in this strategy of libertarian concentration. The Libertarian Party of New Hampshire is very behind this strategy. And, you know, our campaign is also, uh, you know, uh, in, in, in line with all of this. So, um, you know, we're trying to be um, loud, unequivocally libertarian. We believe we have the ability to shift the conversation, not just in New Hampshire, but nationally by doing that. And that's what we've been trying to do with my campaign ads, with the billboards, with all this stuff, uh, you know, that we're doing here in New Hampshire with the Libertarian Party. So, yeah, that's that's me in New Hampshire. Humbly, you, yeah, I think humbly, but um, yeah, you guys are certainly shaking things up for all of us. <laughs> well, we should be, we haven't won, you know, that's the thing, you know, I think it's like, you know, where you're like, it's this race and you're like, we're like arguing about like this back of the pack kind of thing. Like Liberty's not, you know, it, Liberty's like winning in this very marginal way here. New Hampshire, I would, you know, we, the, I, that's why I think like fights about the free estate are dumb. It's like, yeah, hey, we are so far from where we want to be. So I'm not trying to claim, uh, you know, we, we're crushed, you know, we're, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Well, appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate that. Erica, your turn. I thank you for being here. I personally love Jeff's uh, commercials, by the way. I did do a couple of satirical videos on my channel, Generally Irritable for the Record. But yours are way better. Just I'm just hands down, hands down. Uh, uh, my my big pitch to Vermonters this year is restoring accountability, transparency, and integrity to Washington. Uh, I think people are really finally starting to see just how bloated the federal government is, and how much control they're wielding over the states and over us personally, uh, the mandates and all these things. You know, when you've got, you know, folks who consider themselves, uh, you know, very far left liberal, 
who are revolting against big government, you know that they've gone too far. Uh, you know, progressives are voting for me this year because they see how the federal government and the state government, frankly, have just really gone too far here in Vermont. So uh, I'm really pushing for term limits, uh, balanced budget and single issue bills. So no more stuffing uh, campaign contributions or or um, paybacks for campaign contributions into giant pork filled bills. Uh, every bill should have one appropriation, one topic. I want everyone to be accountable for what they're actually voting on. And I think once we can start restoring some of that transparency, uh, you know, they're not going to be able to get away with as much. Who else? Anybody else? Who else likes uh, Rand Paul's annual Festivus? Does anybody else read uh, that? What was it? What was it? How much was it for the cocaine to see how if co if cocaine makes carrier pigeons uh, more promiscuous? Yeah. Plus, that doesn't include the cost for the cocaine to come up with the idea. I'm just yeah. saying, where did that come from? You know, so uh, probably Mina, Arkansas. Wait a minute. Where the, hell, where the hell did they get the cocaine? How did that even happen? We flew it in. Yeah. From Iran Contra. We got it. We got it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Jesus. My goodness. So that's so that's my that's my pitch. We got to get I mean, the federal government is just too much, too much. We need to we need to reduce the power size and scope of the Federal Reserve, of all of the bureaucracies. Uh, I think we could probably cut the United States federal budget by a solid 30 percent and not really see much in the way of loss of services. So. Those, Those are, lucky are numbers, weak numbers. Erica. You got to bump them numbers up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ultimately, numbers, we could go further, but we are in Vermont after all. So, you know, I can't scare people too much. That's right. Um, Eric from Pennsylvania, give us your pitch. Well, you know, I saw opportunity. Pat Toomey was retiring and uh, it was going to be a vacant seat. So I saw the best opportunity for a third party to strike and myself, including being the one running for it. Uh, traveled all across the country, uh, not the country, but the uh, state. Uh, talked to a lot of people, a lot of them just really upset here in Pennsylvania with how both sides are far left and too far right. They want something a little more conservative, a little more in toward the center. And uh, I fit the bill for them. And I know I'm polling at like three to 5% in like almost all the polls, which that's only 500 people. I think those numbers are even low there too. So uh, the fact that they want to keep me out of debates and all this stuff, like they're, they're going to get a fight back. I'm just uh, lining my uh, cards up until uh, I got my uh, full house and, you know, then I'll hit them. Can you imagine what that debate would have been like between Dr. No Dr. Oz and Fetterman if you had been there? Like oh, well, I would have stole the show. Uh, they would have been stunt <laughs> yeah. stammering idiots even more than they already are because <laughs> yeah. the, I would have completely thrown the wrench in everything and every plan they would have put in there. Plus, I would have gave them hell when they started saying what they started saying. Yeah, Shane, and, how did you do that? How did you get in? They don't lie. Most of, those, most of the time, the libertarians don't get in. What's, what's in the back Georgia door, so libertarian Give me what? a podium. Yeah. <laughs> No. Yeah. Are you going to say no to this guy? Easy. Like, really? Honestly, like if Shane came to you and said, hey, we're doing this. I'm like, yeah, dude, fine. We're doing it. That's yeah, cool. Full credit to Shane. But I mean, they let like Chase Oliver also uh, got into a debate, right? Like Georgia just seems to be overall more favorable towards letting the third parties in or something. 
we actually we have this Atlanta press club down here that likes to use us as uh, props. So what happens mm-hmm. is they say, "Hey, we're fair, we're we're good, we're going to allow everybody who's actually on the ballot to come in and debate." But here's what happens is. We're going to allow the Democrats and Republicans to talk about each other and attack each other. And then we're not going to give any rebuttal time in the middle for the person who's actually in the middle of the debate. It's just right. we're props. If yeah. you know that, if you I'm know willing the debate, to be used. I'm willing to be used. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not above that. And I, I, I feel like I feel like like the prostitute that can't get business. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it, it, my, in my sense, it could have been. Uh, they, I did do an event with uh, Fetterman probably about six months ago on foreign affairs, and I completely lit up all the Democrats. I think they threw me in there. It's like, oh, this little greenhorn, let's 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 pick on this guy, and I, I completely set traps for him. I got him double crossed and all that right in their own words, right on the spot. Made them all look like fools, and they were livid. And they had the same rules: we're not allowed to attack each other. But seeing as that was in the rules, I signed a contract. That's fine. So I just went after Biden and man, their heads just exploded. And it was a great time. But that's probably why they didn't want me there, because they're a little bit afraid. Uh, You think? Yeah. (laughs) Shane, can you. um, Did I take Shane out? Hold on. (laughs) There you go. I think I took you out by accident. You censored him. Um, Yeah, it's gone. I'm sorry. It's, it's man, the Shane. CNN. It was the CNN. Vibe. <laughs> I was gonna say, I, Shane, gonna, talk to us. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't really have any illusions of winning down here in Georgia. It's pretty rigged system. I think we're fifty mm. out of fifty in terms of like ballot access and voter laws and everything else. So oh, I'm wow. really just using this as a, uh, a jumping off uh, point for my campaign for. Uh, the lead warlord position for Appalachia stand, uh, Southern Appalachian stand. I don't want to get into New Hampshire. Like you guys got, your- <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, no, we're, what we're looking to do down here is obviously take the 60% of the population that doesn't believe in the other, uh, you know, maybe 40% uh, and, and kind of galvanize them, unite them under the understanding that you don't need a governor. You need to take some action. Uh, there's this thing that I did a year ago, uh, it's called the Helios Initiative, and it's actually it's a one-page uh, paper that's written, you know, from the Constitution and U.S. federal law that uh, you can take it to your sheriff, you can take it to your mayors, and you can start to do nullification with a small band of people that gives these guys a golden bridge of retreat. And it's you know it's something that it makes them safer, it makes your community safer, it starts the healing, it gets rid of nonviolent crime. If you want to do drug war stuff, you want to do civil asset forfeiture, like this is what it is. It's like, hey guys, like I don't need to win. You guys need to take action. Here's a blueprint for how you can do it. Really, it's about taking this, this you know, quote unquote, irate minority, which is the majority, uh, and showing everybody that we don't need to be ruled by a bunch of incompetent megalomaniac psychopaths that want to go to war uh, with everybody around the world. So that's that's kind of what we're doing down here. Well, you were damn good at it. Um, Kyle Matovic is saying, love the fact Shane was on the debate stage to show their populace what the standard should be. Absolutely. You owned mm. that. That was really fantastic. Yeah. For you guys uh, that know they're like, they're doing the second debate right now. No invite. So there's a lot of damage control from the oh. first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. All right. Michael White from Arkansas. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, so uh, similar to the other panelists here, like at the end of the day, you know, we have a fundamental question. What is government's role and what's its function, right? And what's it supposed mm. to be doing and what is it doing? 
And I think we're all pretty aware of the fact that what it is and what it's doing is not what it's supposed to be, right? Mm -hmm. So here in Arkansas, uh, two years ago, Ricky Dale Harrington ran in a two-way race against Senator Tom Cotton. And uh, it got a lot of national attention and kind of put libertarianism on the map, at least in Arkansas. And, you know, we're a ballot access state that's had some issues. And so we sued the legislature of Arkansas. And kind of the compromise we're at right now is that if Ricky gets 3% of the popular vote, we will have some secured ballot access, uh, which is obviously super important. So uh, Elpar, we put out kind of a message to everybody and said, hey, help run with Ricky. Like help us get umbrella messaging to where we can put a bunch of candidates on the ballot and we can make that happen. So we put 56 candidates up uh, at local offices, JPs, everything up. Yeah, 56. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I wanted to run because I knew that I could talk about some umbrella messaging stuff from a debate standpoint. And I could make sure that while I don't have any Vegas odds of winning this race, I know that I can help some of the local candidates possibly win their races. And, and I believe that the libertarian movement ultimately comes up from the ground. We will start taking city councils and school boards and JP offices mm -hmm. and eventually state houses. And then as that becomes more and more mainstream, then all of a sudden you start taking federal offices. And, yes. you know, you know, at the end of the day, would I like for all of Congress to be libertarians? Sure. But is that actually practical or effective? Probably not. I think that a really good federal government probably looks like, you know, a three way split. Thirty three, thirty three, thirty three. And so no one has control. No one is fighting and vying for control. More so they're, they're fighting for actual real solutions to problems. Because at the end of the day, I believe that this two-party system has become incredibly dysfunctional. And we're kind of at the results of what I call peak duopoly, which is if we don't start changing things, I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I don't think that we have probably more than about 10, 12 years left in this republic. Um, Congress is supposed to be about appropriating things to the government and trying to solve issues. But what we have now is a system that literally just exists for division and attrition, fighting this miniature civil war every two to four years. And it's gotten so dysfunctional that, again, uh, it, it has to be changed. And so, you know, in Arkansas, we're, we're hoping to do that and we're, and we're hoping to start that ground up kind of movement. And that's why I'm running. Wow. Thank you. Um, and we our, our comments are lighting up. But one of them was um, uh, just people thought, like, if. Um, if, if all if all of us got into office, like we'd already be like 50 steps ahead, just if like more libertarian, like if just six libertarians were in office, yeah. like, then we would be so far ahead. Well, and I think Go what ahead. Michael just pointed to is really important. If we can get a groundswell of self-governing individuals, if people actually start participating in their school boards, in their city councils, their town assemblies or whatever it is you have in your town, uh, they're going to be less likely to want to tolerate the stuff that happens from the state house and then from Washington. And I think part of the issue is we're just so comfortable and we are so soft as a nation that we don't care to participate. We're, we're people just, you know, I think, you know, I don't know what y'all states are, but only maybe 50% of our registered voters vote in any given elect in, about in same, any given yeah. election and it's often less yeah we have a, we have definitely a, um, a pandemic of apathy amongst the the electorate yeah yep and so but libertarian doesn't have the same sort of um oh what's the word i'm looking for it doesn't have the bad reputation to go along with it as some of the other parties. And so it would be nice if if we can share the message of liberty and freedom with people. Hey, like, hey, you you get to do you 
and I don't and I don't feel entitled to the money in your pocket or your labor. Um, and I just think that we should like not spend money on stupid stuff. Maybe you can vote for me. And people are yeah. like, oh, yeah, OK, cool. That's a great billboard. No more stupid stuff. <laughs> yeah, like that's it. There you go, Erica. You nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. All right. So I wanted to just go around and ask some questions, um, kind of talked a bit about like why you got into the races. But um, so with in with the impact of inflation that's happening um, and I just love the diversity that we have in this group, because some of you are really expert in finances or understanding like crypto or, or different things. So I think this is going to be a really cool conversation. But if you can just say like in a couple of uh, minutes each, like, how do you feel like how would you address it if you make it to your office or you know where do you see the direction going and what do you think the solutions are and we can start this time let's start with shane let's let's kind of go around the other way oh boy here here's the can of worms um mike i <laughs> I, I like your optimism that the republic quote unquote has 10 to 12 years left um i think by this time next year we're going to be on a cbdc from the fed the Fed is, they, they've talked about rolling a white paper out for this. We've seen the new prime minister, uh, who is a WEF plant over in the UK, start uh, talking about moving to a central bank digital currency. People need to understand central bank digital currencies are nothing more than control. And it, it is complete lockdown. It's communist China, CCP bank style over there, and the Fed uh, doing a, you know, a, a CBDC here. Uh, you're going to have a choice. You're going to have choice between hard assets, so lead, gold, silver, and um, and and really, I'd say that's probably about it in terms of hard assets, minus Bitcoin. And so you'll have peace and consent money in one hand, and possibly a central bank digital dollar in the other hand. This is going to change life as we know it, not only here in America but around the planet in real time. Uh, these ESGs uh, that are going around right now, environmental, social, government kind of scores, things like that. There are agendas for what we're doing. This is already imploding. Uh, Europe is obviously going to have a really, really tough winter uh, because they don't have enough fuel. They're turning off their nuclear plants and everything else. So this is all interrelated in terms of inflation. Uh, you can't print, you know, obviously $8 trillion in a couple of years and then not expect uh, you know, the price of everything to go up. They didn't, uh, you know, they didn't go around and pad Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and any of those kind of things, right? So you're going to have this windfall effect of like, man, that light switch goes. Now your cash and everything else, bonds, foreign exchanges, and everything else are going to be absolutely trash. Now, cryptos are not the same as Bitcoin. You can think of the dollar as the first crypto. Uh, it's, it's basically, you know, a little over, I think, something 60% that none of it's actually printed. So... <clears throat> As we see this going forward, I think you guys got some real choices to make. It's either learn Bitcoin and figure it out, invest in hard assets, or you can be uh, the puppet of the regime and do exactly what they tell you to do. Get in the pod, eat the bugs and all that bullshit, because that's what's coming down the pipe. Well, with that hopeful message... Yeah. <laughs> and then Merry know, Christmas, everybody. No, honestly, <laughs> no, I, God bless us, fun. everyone. Everyone. Honestly, <laughs> though, this is the, re but honestly, like, this is the hard reality. And yeah. I think that this is what libertarians bring to the table is that we have a ton of solutions, but we have to, t like, we have a way of framing, like, what the reality actually is. 
and we're not afraid to say, yeah, that that whole narrative stuff, like you know, uh, you know, Mr. Pelosi's break in and all this, like all, all this stuff that's a narrative that you know every day the news has something new for you. Like that's all bullshit. And this is what's literally happening. I, I mean, look I, at I'll, where we are compared to, yeah. I'll I'll say. <laughs> If you if you want to figure out Bitcoin, you want to learn about it. There is a great community. I'd love to plug you into it. Like I don't mean to be Debbie Downer. Like I think Bitcoin's actually a mathematical. No, I'm um, So when when we figure it all out at the end of the day, I think we I think we win. I think there's going to be some struggles along the way for a lot of people. That's yeah. but get in early and and figure it out and learn it. Don't take my word for it. What is a good, um, what, what's a good place for people to, cause I don't know anything about, I don't know. I, I really don't know enough and I would love to definitely. So what would be a good recommendation for people? So the who Mises learn Institute more? is a great place to learn Austrian economics first and foremost, right? So learn Austrian economics and then understand that the, the Bitcoin code, the white paper is all based in Austrian econ, uh, with some cypherpunk. And it was a result of the 2008 crash where, all the big banks got bailed out. All the big companies got bailed out. These cypherpunks said this, this can't ever happen again. They tried yeah. some other digital cash in the past. So learn Austrian economics first and foremost. The Mises Institute is a great place to do that. And then I would really pick up the fiat standard, the Bitcoin standard, uh, the bullish case for Bitcoin, uh, and anything else you can get your hands on that's notable within the Bitcoin community, not the crypto community. Like I said, crypto is centrally controlled. It is manipulative. You, you, can, you, you can manipulate it. Bitcoin is not that. So learn those, go read those books, read lots and lots of Austrian econ uh, economics. And once you do that, you're going to see, you're going to be like, oh my God, like they did it. We have something that is a solution to the banks, the government, the zombie corporations and all those other things. But that's the hope is like, here you go. Here's a seed. It's like your journey in libertarianism. It starts with, uh, you know, like a little bit of an itch, go scratch it, go read, go learn, and then take the journey. You. Awesome. Anybody else want to talk about the inflation and, you know, ways out of it or like their perspective on that? Well, yeah, I mean, like ultimately, Shane, like what I worry about sometimes with a lot of this, like you talk about this, the progression for control, which is obviously, I mean, it's just everywhere, right? Um, is, is the control of the on and off ramps of the crypto markets, right? Mm. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, if you can, if a government can regulate what sort of quote unquote legal tender can pay for things like uh, especially taxes, which again is theft, but you have to pay them unless you want to go to prison. Like that's what, that's my concern with it. it is, is again, I don't have to control the road if I control the exits and the entries. And I, I think you're going to see more of a progression toward that. And, and additionally, you talked about the CBDCs. And so the guy that I'm running against, the current incumbent, French Hill, sits on House Finance Committee. Him and Maxine Waters have already been talking about this. It's in the news. Like they're working on a central bank digital currency. And you, you, you talk to voters about this. And it's one of those things that takes a good five, 10 minutes for you to explain. Because they're like, aren't dollars already digital? I'm like, you know, you, know, you don't understand. Like you don't, you don't understand like a, a complete control mechanism of no anonymity of your payment, no anonymity of what you do. And people go, well, well you know, if I'm not buying something, that's not bad. Why do I care? Well, again, we just had this thing called a pandemic where there was a lot of control mechanisms in place. And imagine that you wake up one morning, they go, Hey, um, your uh, CBDC that you have in your account, you can't spend it today at so-and-so. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's instant debanking. And then we have a blockchain ledger that would have, again, a complete historical record of everyone's spending. Uh, it is, it is seriously the most, uh, 
largest threat to privacy and freedom and liberty that we've ever faced, yeah. honestly. Um, and so, you know, I, I go back and forth between what I think the answer possibly is. But I know this, that the answer is not what we're doing. And that at the end of the day, the moral hazard of a central bank that can encumber debt for future generations uh, with no cosigner, essentially, uh, is is the most evil thing that we've ever come up with. And until we undo that, which starts with auditing, like Erica said, um, until we undo that, we're, we're in a bad, bad situation. So, like I said, the optimism of the 10 to 12 years uh, that, that again, Shane, you're right. That's kind of an optimism. We could wake up in, in 2025 and it's like, hey, man, you're eating the bugs and here's your CBDCs and there you go. And uh, I, I'll come join you in Appalachia. That's what I'll come do. Or I'll come out to Arkansas. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we'll go out in the woods and be fine. But that is the concern, too, is you have finance regulation right now already discussing know your customer when it comes to all these issues. I mean, you see Coinbase and everything else doing it. Um, it's a great thing in theory, but I believe until like we reign in the federal government regarding this, it's just going to be in theory. And so uh, people have to start voting differently and have to start understanding exactly what these politicians are working toward and for, which is well, control. And my uh, my Democrat opponent got a over a million dollar donation from a crypto billionaire through a pack. And then suddenly she's talking about how she wants to regulate crypto and what she wants to do with it and how she thinks it should be. And it's like you couldn't possibly be more transparent with the corruption. And I somebody asked me, well, why would uh, why would a somebody who's in crypto want the government to regulate it? And I was like, because they if they're in on it, if they're on the inside, if they get to shape how the legislation goes, if they get to help pick winners and losers and, you know, they're trying to get in to help manipulate the system to make it better for themselves. They want to turn it into a speculative instrument and a security as opposed to an actual payment method. That's what they really want to do. They want to turn it into just another stock, another another speculative mm. instrument and and regulate it just like that, because it's a direct affront to the central banking system as it stands right now. Yeah. And that, and so when my answer, I was so, con, I was sort of confused when I got the question in one of the debates, it was like, how would you regulate crypto? And I was like, I think the point is not to do that. I'm it's, it's supposed to be outside of the government and away from you guys. That's the point of it. So it really is something that everyone needs to educate themselves on, even if you just do a little bit of digging at, uh, I think Shane, I think it was, you said you gave some suggestions for places to go and read about it. Uh, people really need to understand. Cause I think you're right. This is going to be a major, major problem in the future. I don't know that it's going to be a huge problem. I mean, if you really think about what happens when you start eliminating currencies, as we we trade currencies like from different countries for gains and stuff right now. So if everybody goes to a flat one world currency, it's going to have a massive drop off in value for everybody. Unless you have a lot of it, it's going to be the same thing like crypto and crypto will be the safeguard and the safeguard because it will be directly competing against whatever currency they put out and which you always need that competition to drive up competition for better profit and for a better like item. So, I, you know, they can try to destroy the currency and make their own. But in the end, I, I mean, they're, they're destroying our economy horribly right now. 
So I don't think they have the best idea for what they're trying to implement anyway. And I think they're leaps and bounds in idea form from what they want because they want this ultimate control and they're going to lose control. And then it's going to go back to, you know, people regulating themselves and the government's going to be the one that's in trouble. And that's the way it actually should be. What was the last good idea to come out of the federal government? Think long and hard. I mean, other than like the Constitution. I'll get back to you in like a <laughs> in the week. Bill of Rights. That yeah. wasn't actually the government, though. You can't give them credit for oh, that. That's a good point. Yeah. On the, Constitution, right? the only part of the Constitution that worked was the sort of process part, right? The, the Constitution held up in terms of how does government work? How do we vote for people? How are how is all this stuff apportioned? Uh, you know, in terms of the ways in which it was supposed to constrain government. And this is something that I think libertarians need to really face, although I, I'm, I'm not claiming that people here aren't, aren't keyed into this issue. But you, there's, it appears to be that there is no way to write down a set of words or procedures that when being enforced by people who hold values very different to you, uh, they will be bound by the words and procedures, uh, you know, of the, of the document or of the organization or whatever. And so I think this is something that like really uh, libertarians need to fundamentally face is that it, I think it's likely impossible to write a governing document that would somehow constrain people who held values fundamentally opposed to those that wrote the document. I think it's literally impossible. Um, have any, have any of you had a chance to read the new uh, House Bill 51 that they're trying to pass in D.C.? Are any of you familiar with it? I try to know as little about DC as possible. <laughs> well, well, let, let me just that? give you the, the, the skim over of what it is. Pretty much they want to make DC a state. They want to give it two senators for 800,000 people, one House of Representatives, one in Congress. So yeah. they, they're trying to flip tip the scales of the Senate and other houses as well with doing this. But in there, there was like a stipulation that they put that under the new law for this it becoming a state and so that it gets that thing that everybody in the state has to forfeit all their property and all their rights it says it right there in the bill like probably like the third line down like they wanted to make sure that it was in there and it was up in the forefront so pretty much everybody in that state is going to own at nothing and be happy with it it's a, the epitome of socialism and it's right in its own bill form Did i had you say a you'll a, own nothing and be happy did Pretty much. Say, I think I've heard those words before. Who said those words recently? Somebody said those words. Yeah. Almost like there's a, a push for that sort of idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's in the bill that I mean, if you read how they wrote it, it's it's that it pretty much works out the same way. Same way I said it is that all your rights are taken away, all your property and all your possessions. You, you forfeit them when they sign this H.R. Bill 51 into law which it's already passed the house. It just has to pass the senates and stuff like that. And then it also has voting rights for all the illegal immigrants that came in so that they all can vote in this election. Like they're, they're trying to ram as much down everybody's throat at every level of government. It's just, I don't know how the country hasn't revolted yet. Truthfully, this is just, it's a, amazing, but you know, because we're there, there'll be a time for everything. I mean, Nancy Pelosi's but husband many, and stuff like that might be the tip of the iceberg. I mean, people yeah. used to fear the be, fear the populace, of which it's good to have a healthy fear of the populace because they outnumber the government and all their officials and all their bodyguards a hundred to a thousand to one. So, you know, that that's what that's public service next, should do. 
I'm going to use that to, I said, I'm going to use that to segue because what I wanted to bring up next, and I'm glad you said that is um, how the current administrations, local and federal um, are taking on gun control, gun rights, second amendment. And, you know, um, like it's such an important talking point because I'm surprised, like I speak to, you know, I speak to every, everyone like a very political stripe in Vermont. There's a lot of, lot of progressives, but you know, we have pockets of um, Republicans. And I was astonished that Republicans didn't know um, that libertarians are, are more, um, you know, more pro-gun than they are. Um, you know, they're shocked, but, you know, so I just kind of wanted to talk to touch on that because it's interesting, um, the different regions, um, I don't know, like which, which, I know New Hampshire, Vermont have constitutional carry. I don't know. It's like in Arkansas, Georgia, Pennsylvania. Um, but what's going on in terms of gun control there? And, um, if you guys want to talk on that a little bit, because that's really important to what you were just saying, Eric. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they had a constitutional carry bill that they tried passing in our state it got all the way through the house got through the senate got to governor wolf's desk and of course he's a democrat and instant veto and they keep wanting to say they want gun control they want gun control it's like you know a constitutional carry is gun control because now you have a soft deterrent away because people now know that people can legally carry in the state of pennsylvania that they the crimes should go down because people are going to fear they're going to get shot and it doesn't have to ever come to that but it it does come to that and some people that they don't even put that in the news have defended themselves there was one in the news the other day a a cop was getting attacked by a guy and a armed citizen stopped the uh, guy assaulting the cop with a gun and the only person that was hurt was the guy assaulting the cop so you know good people with guns does help things and it, it's many different levels of everything. I mean, everything they say they're going to do, they do the exact opposite. So, you know, kind of always bet on that. I think states that have more gun freedom are really on the safer end. Is, is there any uh, is there any exception to that? Vermont's one of the safest states in the union. Until recently, we had the most permissive gun laws. Texas is pretty safe, except for like Houston and Dallas. And San Antonio. Oh, well, right. in Austin now. Never mind. I take that back. Um, it's 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 a tough one. Like, I mean, as I want to believe that it's all about the gun rights. Truthfully, I think part of it is that uh, cities just have more murders mm. because, of course, like we understand, banning guns doesn't really stop criminals from getting them, right? So why would banning, you know? And so I think a lot of it is just that uh, that a lot of uh, you know you, you see more murders in more urban areas. And uh, and then they try to correct the problem with gun rights. It doesn't work and it probably hurts. I'm not claiming it helps. It almost Mm -hmm. certainly hurts. But I think the driving factor is the urban areas where the murders are being committed. uh, Yeah, Yeah, no, you're you're 100 percent right. I mean, it's like 92 percent of violent crime in this country occurs. And again, inner cities in our border regions. I mean, that's where it is. If you took that out, America is the safest place in the world. Uh, and, and, and again, yeah. what does that, what do they have in common? Like I said, in the debate, they have a, the illegal drug trade. That's what, it, that's what it has in common really. Um, and so at the end of the day, you know, law abiding citizens are going to follow the law. So gun control laws are only law abiding citizen control. It's absolutely the most stupid and idiotic thing to ever do. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm a gun rights absolutist. I think everybody should have some, go ahead, yeah. go out and buy you one. That's your endorsement from Michael White today. Get you one. Amen. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think New Hampshire can get much better. I don't know what else we can do. By the way, if you if you guys have ideas, it's uh, easy, and that's true for libertarians anywhere. Like I'm, I'm a, I always want to make friends with like the the libertarian legal autists that have this like very deep these very detailed obsessions with the law because like we can get anything introduced up here. I've seen uh, <laughs> I've seen people come in, uh, you know, uh, lawyers be like that, hey, or, or even just like just smart kids come in. I've seen I've seen uh, people in their 20s introduce a law and it gets passed, you know, and so it's like, well, how could we even make the gun laws better in New Hampshire? Uh, We just did the federal nullification thing. You know, there's it doesn't appear that there's, you know, much room for improvement. And and here's here's Jeff over here bragging. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. We can win because we can do so much more. Right. Like we can. I mean, we already we can. We could all be in uh, be in New Hampshire and uh, you know get get 10, 20 times the amount of libertarians here, and let's see what we could really do because you know it's we're doing so all this with uh, ten thousand or whatever. You know? hey, yeah, Jeremy, <laughs> have you guys gotten rid of the NFA and and kind of kick the ATF out of the state? Is that like I mean you guys so, have busters and it's unclear. So, so we just did this uh, 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 the federal nullification type uh, law. I think Missouri did one. A couple of other states did one. Um, ours is, uh, uh, some people you say has some problems. Some, some people who want to see the nullification strategy work say our law has some problems. I'm not like that in the weeds to have a strong opinion on it at that level. I know that, I know the Democrats are, have, uh, and, and have been getting school principals to complain that they're unclear on how federal gun laws are to be enforced inside of their schools as a result of this law. Now, whether, but they could just be making stuff up because that's what they like to do. So, so you know, and I haven't really um, nerded out enough to have a strong opinion. But I know that we just did this law last year that's attempt that's attempting to say you know federal gun uh, gun laws you know nullifying the nullifying them inside of New Hampshire. That's the that's the intent. I like it. Every time you know someone from this free state opens their mouth, it's like you know it makes Vermonters like, oh, you're so close, we're so close. <laughs> yeah, we just gotta Come take on. back our state house. We yeah, have to well, take back I mean, our state Erica, Erica, you could get elected here, and uh, you know, in like uh, two or four years or whatever. Like old guy, I heard has uh, been looking at farmland in the North Country. <laughs> I know. I'm looking at a camp. I'm totally looking All at right. land. You, you know, Eric, I mean, I'm from PA, I, by the way. I, I was in. I was in Philadelphia when the Phillies won the World Series in 2008, plus or minus one year. Uh, right? When when did they win? Uh, I don't. I don't know what time they won last. I, I, I'm well, more on the current stuff. Okay. Okay. Well, so, I mean, but I was, I grew up in Philadelphia. I'm a diehard, well, I was a diehard Philly sports fan. I've, I've, I've weakened a little bit coming up here, but yeah. So. Uh, if it's over a decade ago, I'm, that's already back burner in my mind. <laughs> I'm not a stats guy I'm, I'm like old, that. I'm old. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I just want to take a minute um, and I want to show some uh, clips of you guys because you guys, uh, you know, I think the the cool thing about now and the really cool thing about libertarians is, um, you know, we're we're a little bit like more tech savvy, I think, and, and utilizing technology and the internets and all that stuff. So hang on a second. Um, so I, I want to, oops, hold on, wrong thing here. I want to share some clips give me one second i hope they show the serious clip <laughs> uh, we'll see it'll be um it'll be interesting only one uh let me see i think we're gonna start with you erica so hold on one second oh, fabulous 
Um, if I can find you. I'm hiding. All right, here it you are hiding. One sec. I just want to do it a certain way. All I know is war is gay. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Great video, by the way, yeah. Jeremy. Is that awesome? Yeah. yeah. I know one thing. It's like a Descartesian kind of thing. Country, many Americans feel the need to buy a firearm to keep themselves safe. As your demo progressive semi-socialist candidate, I believe only the wealthy have the right to self-protection. So what's my suggestion? Call the police that I've defunded multiple times. When minutes matter, wait hours. As Vermont's <laughs> next congresswoman, I believe that I have the right to private security, but you don't. I vow to continue to defund the police and remove your constitutional rights to firearms. I'm Erica Reddick for the United States House of Representatives. If you thought any of those ideas were good, then I'm probably not your candidate. But if you watched those videos and you laughed and you knew that common sense would tell you any of that was terrible, then give me a look. Go to reddickforcongress.com. Oh my God, I love that. Love it. Yeah. Yes. Totally. I'm not going to lie. That's a, a it was a little inspired by Jeff Kaufman. I was like, <laughs> I want to make miracle ah. videos for my campaign. What can we do? So we Dude, went to the, the studio. By the way, Jeremy, I, I, I got to tell you, because I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to your abortion video where like you were like in like the boardroom, you know, yeah. like. Dude, I mean, I cried laughing at that. It was, you're like, in those vaccine minutes, they made us billions. I tried doing two abortion videos. There's actually two. There's one making fun of, of uh, social conservatives, and there's one making fun of, uh, right. of, of, of the progressives. Although the progressive one uh, went way more viral and has like kinds of views and something so like that. So. I sent to like everyone that I knew. I mean, it was, it was yeah. great, bro. Great. Yeah. Thank you. All right. We got we got one more coming up. Hold on. It's gonna happen. Here we go. Michael is up next. Uh-oh. Hold on. I think I messed up. Sorry. That was I messed up. You don't Hold get a clip, Michael. You're excluded. Well, yeah. no, I will say, no, uh, like, the, 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 no uh, the the comedy stuff. I mean, it's one of the most like one of the most powerful techniques that that yeah. we have. Something that I think the sort of current wave of the libertarian movement gets is that we can't just win through policy prescriptions. I'm not. Right. We shouldn't look past the policy prescriptions. It's important that we have them and that ours be better. But that's not the path to victory. And uh, did your border one where you were like, what kind of drugs do they have? <laughs> <laughs> What's the quality? Are they any What's good? The <laughs> right. All right. Michael's is ready. Hold on one second. Oh, my bad. They're pretty good about putting me on air. But, you know, kind of when I'm off the air, every now and then that topic gets brought up that I might, quote unquote, spoil an election. And I, I try to remind people, hey, if the Republican dropped out of the, out of the race tomorrow, we would win this thing in a landslide. It wouldn't even be tight. 
So who's really spoiling the election, in my opinion? <laughs> who's really spoiling it? Is it me that actually stands for these principles and wants to actually enact them, the things you really believe in? Or is it the person who keeps claiming for now four terms and now going to be a fifth term that they believe in and never has done so? Um, and, and again, that's all you can really say because people are going to, this system has been so deeply ingrained in the American you know, ethos of, of it's this versus this, and it's going to take time, messaging, and slowly but surely, I believe we're going to change that to where people realize, hey, you know, a third voice really makes sense. I was in a uh, an event and... All right, that was it. Sorry. That's a really sexy dude you got on there. Who is that guy? Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I wanted to pick that because I think um, a lot of, if not all libertarian candidates hear this, like, oh, you're a spoiler. And, um, you know, we, 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 we got pushed back here, but um, the reality is, is like, we need options. And, and I, I would love to see more third parties like getting in on it because we just need, I feel like we just need to break up the duopoly as much as possible. Yeah. The lesser I, of two I have a evils. question on this on this subject for my fellow candidates because I'm new to being a, a candidate and this is something we've been talking about. Like, what do you feel about like do, do you ever are you open minded about the sort of like um and you wouldn't want to do it for something silly, but the like, oh, I would drop out and endorse or I would endorse this candidate if they did X or Y type kind of thing. They shut me out of a a debate on economics of all subjects. And when they shut me out, it didn't really go anywhere, but I was like Hey, you know, if either of these people could uh, could beat me in an econ one hundred and one test, I would drop out and endorse them because I have pretty good <laughs> academic economics knowledge. I, you know, I'm a smart, you know, so I can, I let's go. And I'm not even talking about Austrian stuff. I can I can do the the classic uh, uh, traditional. So it's like uh, the you know the uh, so I, what do you think about this kind of thing when they say you're spoiling? I, I one of the responses I've been curious about being able to make is, well, I'm not spoiling because I would leave if either of them would do this. You can't say that, you know. Um, what do you think about that kind of a thing? I think oh, it's, it's more about the integrity to stay in the race and run the best race that you can to show people that you know, don't matter how much money they have, we're still coming on principle and. Running on principle is more important than winning. And especially like my race, I know it's the whole libertarian and Mises principles of running local and everything up. But if you don't take a shot at the big guys and make them hurt, this is hit them in the chin. Like one of my ideas before Fetterman has a stroke, because he said he was a boxer, was do like a celebrity boxing thing. And where me and him were going to hop in the ring and we were going to fight. But then he had a stroke. Now I feel bad if I was even going to suggest it. So I'll put it out here now, but... You, know. you can have a hammer fight. If a candidate was willing to say like, oh, I'll promise to audit the Fed or I'll pro- I promise right now, like I will, uh, you know, I will cut the military budget by 75 percent or like really stuff that they would, you know, they you, you there's like no chance they would even do it almost. But like if they were really willing to do it. You know, is it worth? Is that is that a good or a bad tech? Like, no, like- I think you nailed. I think you nailed like a, a pivot issue on the head. Like, yeah, you can call like uh, absurdity absurd directly, right? Like, yep. hey, if you think I'm spoiling it, okay, well, here's here's the here's the issue. You do this, then I'll drop out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's. I actually don't think that's a dumb idea at all, brother. Not at all. Well, and think about how many times you hear, oh, well, if I vote third party, I'll waste my vote, or oh, you know, lesser of two evils, and. When that's the mindset of the voter, 
rather than actually voting for their values, we just see time and time. If, if everybody actually voted their values and not what they think that they're supposed to or what they think other people are going to do or nobody has a chance or whatever, we would see a different outcome in our elections. But that's not how people vote. They vote with their emotions and with the crowd, unfortunately. Well, I think and Jeremy so kind of hits that on the head. Like he's like, he's talking about like changing that perception of behavior. Yeah. Like he's highlighting that. Like that, that's a great, I don't think that's dumb at all. I think it's actually incredibly intelligent to be honest. Yep. Consider too, though. If all you're right. Gonna I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Oh, go yeah, ahead, keep Shane. Going with the sorry. Sorry. I do. Yeah. Keep going. No, 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 but, but Shane, finish your point because yours is up next. Yeah, I was going to say, consider this too. If you're going to do this for a while, if you're going to run like multiple campaigns, right? Understand that there's a lot of power in not giving either one of them your endorsement. I mean, I'm not saying it, it's, it is a case by case by basis. For me, when I don't see any type of real difference between these idiots, like it's like, look, I'm going to give you some time maybe to come on a show or do something to earn, you know, my audience's time, give them something. Right. And when they don't show up or they don't take it, make that public, too. So there's there's a lot to be said here. But like you don't always have to say, you know what, I'll drop out or I'll give this guy my endorsement if he does this. These guys are both terrible and I'm not going to sacrifice my <laughs> for either one of those guys. Right. And Amen. That's, that is some power for you. If, uh, if you're looking to do this long-term. Oh my God. What All right. On that note, let's year? play this clip. You ran for Congress in 2018. That was just four years ago. You ran as a Republican. You got less than 30% of the vote in the Republican primary. What happened between then and now that made you a libertarian? Well, I, uh, I actually came back to my, my roots as a libertarian. Uh, we believe in freedom. We saw what the Republican Party was. We saw what the Democratic Party was. They are forcing coercion. No matter what they mm. talk about, it's forcing coercion. Whether it's certificate of need for hospitals, whether it is taking guns away from law-abiding citizens, it is always forcing coercion at the point of a gun from the Democrats and Republicans to look at life through consent, the eyes that, hey, we can all have transactions. We do it every day in the private sector. 99.9% .9 of us go throughout our day without raping people, without murdering people, without pointing guns at people to take their property. That is not what the government does under Republicans and Democrats, period. That's why I became a libertarian. Uh, this is why we're going to send this thing into a runoff. And if people were really looking for something to change, you'd vote libertarian. You'd send a message to both of these parties because the, one of these people will most likely be the executive in a rigged system that you want to be more free. Thank Amen. you. That's my favorite part of that debate. Yeah, that, was, that was my favorite clip. Yeah. Yep. Shane, that was the, that was that the was best part phenomenal. of Phenomenal. Oh, you like that better than the question to Kemp? Oh man, I no, love I, you. I like that part better because I mean, it just it spoke to the the heart of the issue. This concept of the, the use of force, the concept of a, of a rig system, the concept of again, what where your consent lies as a, mm -hmm. as a voter, as a person. So no, man, that was like that was the part that like tugged on my heartstrings. I was like, okay, I'm a Shane fan now. You know, like yeah. <laughs> that, that was it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and that's language that people understand too, especially the last couple of years with the imposition on people. Mm -hmm. When So when you start talking about the government, everything is at the threat of a gun and people, oh, what? Uh, uh, no. And I go, well, you pay rent to live on the house, in the house and on the land that you paid for. What happens if you don't pay your property taxes? Oh, well, the bank takes it or whatever. And I say, 
Yeah, and then the police come and kick you out with a gun of a, of, of a place that you you might even own. Yeah, but without a mortgage. People, most people, you make that argument to plenty of people, and they can be morally dumbfounded or whatever in the moment. They, and then what do they do? They go right back into the ballot box and they vote the exact same way and do the exact same thing. And so you had this conversation with someone where you were literally saying, what I, what I regard what you're doing as violence against me. That's right. Yeah. And then like, go I, back in and do it. I tell people all the time, like personal property taxes are a contradiction in terms. It's not personal if the government's involved and it's not property if I have to rent it forever from somebody else. Right. Yep. And I love our, our, our Senator Bernie Sanders likes to talk all the time about you need to have the fruits of your labor and you need to have a livable wage. And, and, and then you go, okay, you want me to have a livable wage, but you feel entitled to it. Yeah, but you're taking half my stuff. Yeah. Like, Literally. Yeah. yeah. So what do you, what, oh, wait, is it, is it, you want me to have a higher wage so you can take more of my stuff or are you just lying? Yeah. Yeah, both. Twenty twenty five dollars <laughs> yeah. an hour minimum wage. <laughs> so you can really be making seven dollars an hour. Um, all right, I'm going to share a clip of Eric. So hold hold your horses right there because I like this one. And the unions and such. I have a lot of family members that are in the union. Every single time they have a new contract, they keep losing less health care, and they're just mm -hmm. taking away, taking away. They're not getting anything back. So what I'm proposing is betting on greed with big corporations and saying <laughs> that you give them a 1% tax deduction if they provide, and that's the big caveat, they have to provide full health care, vision, dental, and hearing, and no copays. They just completely pay for all the health care. You take government health care right out the system. They don't have to deal with that. The corporations who do that. I mean, Amazon, I thought what they make, 300 billion dollars last year so one percent of that's three billion you think three billion dollars enough to pay every single employee's health care for the entire year i think it is plus they're going to make a profit so with the corporate greed aspect of it they're going to make a higher profit margin it gives them more incentive to get it done hmm. Hmm. are there any examples of something like that working elsewhere i don't think anybody's come up with that in d until right now so uh -huh. are you new, new ideas it's one of my best ideas, you know, it, it helps with small businesses too, when you do all that kind of stuff. But it, it's one thing how government could legislate better is if it helps the people and it helps business and the, the government loses in the, the, the turnoff, then, you know, I think it's going to be a good bill. And I think that's a, um, these are the types of things that um, libertarians bring to the table is our creativity. And I, and I think our ideas are radical saying that we need less government is, is a radical idea nowadays. People, it, it's almost inconceivable that people can't imagine. Well, we're so used to government monopolizing pretty much every aspect of our life at this point that it's hard to imagine. And, you know, sometimes I'll say to people, well, how did you spend most of your day today? Oh yeah. I went to the supermarket and, you know, did this. And I said, all right. And the interactions that you have to deal with the government, like getting your car inspected and, you know, re, re you know, re-registering your car and all like, those were the, those were the actual times of your day that pissed you off. 
and that where you felt like was a waste of your time and you you know and it's like so so question that because without that what what would your day have been you would have been fine you would have been perfectly fine living your life you didn't need these interactions you didn't need like what the services that they're offering are are not services that really are vital to us it's just we've been conditioned to think that they are mm. So true. That's the horrible thing of the, about the education system. You know, we got a bunch of kids coming out like drones and they're not educated on what they need to life skills and business management and be able to even just balance a budget so that they can pay their bills and get everything squared away, somehow get ahead and get, get ahead in life. They're just always behind the gun. And, and they start out that way at eight, 18 when you kick them out the door and out the, uh, the school. And it, it's, a drain on this whole, the whole system. I mean, you want sheeple, so they, they made the system to do so. It, it, it all, there's so many things that need to change. Education by far needs That's to have a one. change. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the school good. choice ideas. Yeah. I mean, uh, once they get put in the practice and they start to show production and, and the kids start to show that they're getting better educations, I have no problem with like teachers getting paid by the, the families and then they rent these schools that they've been building all over the country out room by room to the teachers. And they, they have it like an old farmhouse, like school teaching. Mm. I, mean, I, mean, I think that system would still work. You just repurpose the yeah. way that it works. But until you get like uh, the state decoupled from education and curriculum, right. that sort of idea can't happen. Right. Yeah. And like you have to remind people that, you know, for most of human history in the course of education, education occurred in private institutions and homeschool. That's how we mm -hmm. did it. Right. Right. So that that is not the experiment. Right. Experiment is these government funded public schools. And yep. it's clearly failing. I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, that's just the data. That's just the facts. It's just what it is. But I mean, uh, again, like I was trying to tell you, like George Carlin has a bit about that. Like these these really aren't to try to educate and, and create critical thinkers. They're trying to create, you know, um, yes, subordination and, and discipline and, and adherence to uh, codes and ethics and decrees and dogmas. And uh, until it changes, man, we're going to keep getting the electorate more and more. It's just like, hey, like Erica said, they're just falling in line. Did um, Olga, um, did you pitch Shane out oh. again? No, did I didn't kick him out. Again? He actually said he, he, no, he had to leave at 830. <laughs> so I wanted to get that clip in and then he had to bounce because ah, he had something else to do at 830. So we yeah. lost Shane. Um, I want to like circle back to circling back to the education piece because one of my questions was that. But um, I want to play Jeremy's video, so hang on. Loud saying that war is gay. I'm here to tell you the truth. War is retarded. <laughs> We're not supposed to say that word, but this is exactly why we need to say it. Because if you support war, you are a retard. <laughs> We've done this before. This isn't new. Weak, soft, anti-American terrorist sympathizer. These are some of the things that you would have been called for opposing the Iraq War in 2003 or Vietnam in the 1960s. Yep. And today, you'll be called similar things for opposing America's involvement in the Ukraine and Russian conflict. Well, you're not. What you actually are is brave. Being anti-war is always unpopular, but it takes people who are willing to stand up and say, no, this isn't our fight. No, 
we don't need to be involved. And the people who are weak and soft, the people who want to steal from you to get us involved in a conflict we have no business in. Yep. The war on poverty was won by poverty. The war on drugs was won by drugs. The war in Afghanistan was won by goat herders with an average income of $500 per year. Don Balda <laughs> and Maggie Hassan want us to fight China and Russia simultaneously. What boggles my mind, Steve, is the fact that we haven't gone all in on this already, diplomatically, informationally, militarily, uh, and economically. Everything's on the table when it comes to keeping our country safe. Uh, and what we've seen from Russia in particular recently- And we can't take any pressure off China either. We gotta go after China because they're in this right. with them. Maggie Hassan and Don Balda want to take your money so that your children can die and America can be hurt. Be brave, be anti-war, be a libertarian. I'm Jeremy Kaufman, and I'm serious. That was epic. Yeah, it was, man. Yeah, it was so good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It starts out silly, you know, and then it's like, no, this is for real. This is this my my Democrat opponent literally said oh yeah we should have military intervention and i said in the debate i said does the senate she's a state senator i said does the senator understand that what she just said was that we should initiate world war three yeah, because basically. if we put boots on the ground in ukraine that's what that's what is triggered and she didn't know that she literally did not understand that yeah. she doesn't understand nato i was so hoping during my debate that we're going to bring up ukraine and they did and uh, because it, it's an issue that um, I think strikes to the core of just everything. I mean, everything that the concept that representative government no longer represents us. It represents somebody else, defense contractors, other interests, you know, foreign lobbies, whatever else it is. But it's not about me and you. It's not about America. It's not about this. So, yeah, Jeremy, again, hats off on that video. Yeah, man. that was that was so good, man. So good. Thanks. Yeah, we tried to do, uh, you know, we wanted to do a serious one. Um I, you know, I'm, I'm actually a pretty serious person. Uh, um, I can tell, man. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I actually can tell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, 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 I like to have fun, uh, you know, so I like jokes and I think that I seriously believe that sort of humor is a better technique, uh, yeah. for the most part, if you're trying it, to get people to consider it new breaks ideas. through defenses too. And yeah, yeah, yeah. censorship and there's a lot of benefits, like kind of like a, what's that guy's name that has like the long hair on YouTube that has all those videos. What's his name? JP. Yeah. That's him. Yeah. Oh, like same thing. he was able to make it through all the stuff, right? Because it was comedic. Yeah. It was satirical. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's definitely, uh, it's, it's a Trojan horse of information in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, we mixed it up with this one. This will probably be the last one. I don't think we're going to have another one come out before the end of the uh, campaign. So, I think uh, that's genius to end it on this one and yeah. to end it on that on that tenor. Um, you know, because the uh, I mean, I always I always find it so amusing and disturbing at the same time that people watch your videos and take them seriously. Yeah. And get so offended, like you're like you're seriously, and it's just like, what is wrong with people? <laughs> I mean, and I think it's just you know, you're you're you're. I mean, I don't. I'm not trying to call you a caricature, Jeremy, but I'm saying like what people imagine you and and I met you in real life. I consider you a friend. 
you're a wonderful person. And it's always surprising to me that, you know, your persona, that's the word, your persona on social media, like people like are like, this is literally this guy. And it's like, you guys don't get sarcasm, I guess, or you don't realize like most of what he's saying is to get your attention and, and you're just playing into it. And, and I, well, I do it, think, I do like think there is this, there's this contingent within the Libertarian Party that is, uh, and I'm not, I, I actually like them as people. So I'm not trying to be insulting with anything I'm about to say, but they're essentially, they're either on the autism spectrum or they're highly scrupulous. That is, they're like very serious people who want mm -hmm. everything to be serious. And they like really have poor models and understanding that they are atypical in their own psychology. And like, the, you know, and, and they're good people. They, they like libertarianism for good reasons, but they get so they don't have the self-awareness to recognize that like what's appealing to them is a dead end. And then they get so angry uh, at these people uh, who, who, who make the pitch in, in a different way. But, you know, I think we should be trying to uh, do what we can to sort of welcome these people, uh, you know, back to try to get them to to kind of understand why, uh, you know, we want the same things. But their approach of 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 just you know pure serious policy prescriptions or just you know whatever it is like you know that we need to be doing we need to be doing some of these other techniques we need to be embracing the fact that like you know we've got to be winning over people who have freedom and liberty in their hearts even if they can't explain it you know yeah, the the um, real the p the reality you're not allowed to acknowledge as a candidate is that people have to like you you have to right. be likable you know, if, if, if you just go out there and you're all big brained and boring as all get out and like talking about, especially some of the libertarian concepts are really hard for people to grasp because they don't talk about these things. They're not having these conversations at their dinner tables. So, so you have like, if you're not likable, if you aren't, you know, don't have good social skills and like understand that ultimately you're not bathing <laughs> you know like you're yeah. sure that ugh, sorry that's the reality and that doesn't mean that you know that doesn't mean don't say what you believe that doesn't mean don't say what you mean or pander to people but you have to be likable well i'm, I'm, I'm jeremy i'm glad you're in the party man i, I think that you <laughs> do a great absolutely benefit. And, and honestly there's never been a single person i've shared any of your content with that hasn't just absolutely enjoyed it so maybe i'm just in a better echo chamber possibly you know what i mean maybe i just have a better choice of friends i don't know man but like dude i i, I super appreciate what you're doing man it's awesome thank you i think thank it's you. i think part of it too is just there's um there's a generational shift you know that that's our and and a, and a cultural shift in terms of how um how we use satire and sarcasm to express like really important points and yeah. that appeals to a lot more people or it's beginning to appeal to a lot more people and certainly younger people who are quick on that type of thing and who get it and yeah it like jeremy says it certainly does like leave some people out because they don't pick it up or they don't get it or they do have the view that we're a political party and we're supposed to be you know kind of buttoned down beltway libertarians and it's just like that's just not people and clearly you know people aren't connecting and at the end of the day we're libertarians and yes we're members of a libertarian party but we we're creating a liberty movement and we want to try to bring as many people into that um as possible and and i think that 
the last few months have shown that we, the last couple of years actually has shown that there is a growing liberty movement throughout this country. And some people know libertarianism and some people don't, but most people know freedom. And they now they really know it because they've been, you know, they, they've been denied it. And so now they know what it is. And now, now they're looking for us. And I think that I'm, I'm so proud mm -hmm. of all you guys for running. And I love the diversity that we have and all the different campaigns and like, and all the different styles and all the points. Um, I just learned a, a, a ton about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. So I was like, oh my God, I need to sit down and look this, like, look this stuff up. Um, and, and I think these are really important conversations to have because it's what it is going to make people um, be curious and entice them to look up the Libertarian Party and like what we're about. I mean, yeah, the number one war we're fighting against is apathy, right? Yeah. And so anything that we can do to message against apathy. So like, you know, Jeremy's messaging does that. My messaging does that. Shane's does that. Eric's does that. Eric's does that. Like whatever you can do. And if you have to be unconventional, if you have to be guerrilla about it, like that's the concept that we have to get through is, is again, we started this whole thing talking about the apathetic electorate. And the truth is, is that what we speak about are real core principles. Everyone pretty much really generally agrees with the idea. Yeah. Again, we don't hurt people. We don't take their stuff. We should be free. Where do your rights come from? You're born with them. What's government's job to secure them? And so, uh, yeah, man, this has been a great panel. Uh, Olga, thanks for having us. Yeah. I'm Absolutely. so glad that you guys uh, agreed to to come and share um, share your time with me. I know, you know, it's Sunday. Um, so let's just to wrap it up, I'm going to give you guys, you know, like just 30 seconds or so just to share, share how people can get in touch with you. Um, I'm going to kind of do the banners again. Let's start with, um, hold on, let me go down here. Let's start with you, Michael. All right. So, uh, yeah, you can see my website right there, mwforliberty.com. That's the best place to find me. Uh, you can run policy issues. You can find me on Facebook and, and Twitter there. Uh, give me a like, give me a follow, uh, share my content. Twitter pretty much like shadow banned me from like the instant. I don't know what it was. I've, I've tried to get verified like I think 10 times now, seven times. I don't know. And every time they find a reason not to, um, at the end of the day, again, um, you know, this is a simple question. What is government supposed to be? What should it do? What should its focus be? And I personally believe, again, you're born with your rights and government's only job is to secure them and that uh, liberty should be the North Star of everything government does, says and is. And I'm Michael White and uh, Arkansas is the best place in the world. It's amazing here. But don't come. Y'all all stay where you are. And uh, right with that, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. All right. Take care. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Hey, Eric, why don't you uh, why don't you go next? Yeah, we we touched a little bit on the uh, radicalism part of it, which, you know, all some of the greatest thinkers and minds throughout history were all labeled radicals. Edgar Newton was labeled a heretic for saying gravity exists. Oh, it's science. Oh, mm. he horrible things. The church says no. You know, we're in just another iteration of that, except now it's the government trying to be the one in control and control every facet of your life. And uh, more freedom is what we all need and what we all will be fighting for once more of it is taken. So we are all doing what needs to be done for freedom in this country, all across the world. Every single one of us should be proud to uh, step up and answer that call for freedom itself. You can find me at eric4pa.com. Same thing, go like my Twitters and share it to the ends of the earth and back again because you know that's what's going to need is, is people coming out and just putting us on blast our ideas and then 
maybe even thinking of running themselves because we need more people in the Libertarian Party and the freedom movement. And I think they're coming. Absolutely. Thank you, Eric. Jeremy, how about you? Hey, so uh, I, I'm most active on Twitter at my full name, Jeremy Kaufman, although I'm on a timeout right now. So you won't see any tweets <laughs> for a couple of days. Uh, I can be found in person in New Hampshire, where I'm always happy to welcome visitors or anyone who wants to come and check out the Free State. There's uh, an entire political machine here that gets people uh, elected, that gets libertarians uh, elected. There are candidates who get elected and are in the state house right now passing libertarian legislation that did not lift a finger in their campaigns uh, simply because they moved to the right area uh, and the machine uh, did the work. Uh, so uh, Liberty Forum is coming up here in New Hampshire, uh, March 3rd uh, through the 5th. Great time to come out. Uh, it's going to be an, it's entirely designed uh, to get people um, integrated and familiar with the libertarian political machine in New Hampshire, which is, I think, the most impressive one in the country. Uh, so it's a great time to come out and meet me or other uh, or, or other things. Uh, I'm also uh, I have a, a YouTube channel, um, you know, Jeremy for Senate. Uh, Jeremy for an H uh, is uh, the, the campaign website. And uh, LPNH is probably going to keep doing uh, political satirical videos in some form. You know, for everyone who likes those, it's not just me. Uh, it's Dan Smott. It's Reed Coverdale. It's uh, Bill Barger. And, uh, you know, so we're thinking about keeping that going. And so if you like that kind of stuff, uh, you know, find and follow all of us. We're not exactly sure what form it's going to take, but that's going to keep coming uh, even after the election, I think. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So um, for the week of heart, if you have a heart condition, do not follow um, Libertarian Party of New Hampshire's Twitter. And if you don't have a heart condition and you don't have pearls that you clutch constantly, Give them a follow because it's some good stuff. Erica Reddit for Congress. Why don't you, uh, why don't you uh, finish out here? Uh, well, the website is reddickforcongress.com or ericareddick.com. Uh, we switched it because people are spelling both of my names wrong all of the time. So I tried to make it simpler, but both go to the same place, ericareddick.com, reddickforcongress.com. Uh, on Twitter, I'm Erica Reddick. And on all of the other social medias, I'm generally irritable. So you can go find tons of content, uh, interviews over the years talking about things that are going on here in Vermont and important. There's some comedic shorts, uh, some rants and me talking smack about things. Uh, if, if I have an opinion on something, you can find a video of it on Generally Irritable. That is for sure. Uh, and really, thank you. Olga for getting us all together. It's really nice to see other libertarian faces and know that we're not alone out there. Um, hopefully I'll see uh, one of you in Congress uh, in January, uh, the other two in the other chamber. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Olga, this has been great. Thank you so much. I want to yeah, thank, thank all of you guys for coming. Um, I think Shane, Shane had a bounce early, but um all of you guys are inspiration to me. I really do appreciate everyone, you know, stepping up um, as a as a as a chair, as a state chair. It's it's hard, you know, like to convince people like to run for office. So when I see people running for office, it's like really inspirational. And I think this is just what we have to do. Get our message across because it really is. It's a beautiful, simple message. Less government, more you <laughs> it's, can't get simpler than that. Thank you all for coming. Thanks everyone who's watched and comment. When you get a chance, like and subscribe. I need 100 YouTube followers so I can upload 
into Odyssey. I keep saying that, Jeremy, because I know someone who owns Odyssey. Con contact, uh, contact Drew Hancock, uh, Drew at Odyssey.com, or uh, Lockout okay. David Fair. He'll let you in. That's my understanding. Awesome. See, that was the whole purpose of this entire of this entire podcast was just for me yeah. to ask you about that. I'm just kidding. I I I genuinely love you guys. Um, have a good have a good one, and thanks for joining me. Thanks, man. Um, so have a good just, Thank you, everybody. So hang on there for a second, and um, we will uh, get out of here shortly.